0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Inner Chambers' final retrospective of the summer. My name's Emma Wine, and for this episode, I wanted to look back at our last concert of the season, which happened back in May at the Contemporary Arts Museum in conjunction with the exhibit Stonewall 50, which commemorated the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. What made this concert especially cool was that our emerging composer fellow Niko Yamamoto had a world premiere and Musica commission on the program. Not only that, though, but we played two of his pieces on the same program. One was a saxophone solo called Disintegrations, and the world premiere was a saxophone quartet called a Midfield Glance. For this episode, I want to frame each of those pieces with excerpts from a conversation I had with Nico before the May concert. As a quick aside, this interview did take place in the living room of my apartment, which has kind of high ceilings, so I apologize in advance for any boominess you might hear in the recording. The first question I had for Nico was the general get to know you question, where are you from?
1: I'm from Walnut Creek, California. Um, which is a little town in the East Bay of San Francisco.
0: And then you were at Rice for your master's. Where did you get your undergraduate degree?
1: For my undergrad, I was at University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, which was like, it's kind of funny how it all happened. Um, I had, so my band director in high school, his fraternity brother was teaching in the band department and um, I guess that they needed bassoonists that year because they were like super low on them. And I was still kind of figuring out like where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do because I was still, um, I was actually on the track for piano performance.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, so I kind of like did a last minute switch in my application to composition. Um, I was a part of this Bay Area young composers group called Harmonicos. Um, and we, I put out a few pieces for there and like nothing that I would ever (laughs) listen to right now, (laughs) but, um, it at least got me like a portfolio together to then, uh, submit to the school. And then I like showed up, did the audition and they were like, yeah, come on over. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool! Yeah.
0: Uh, so you are a pianist, a bassoonist, yes, and a composer. Do you play any other instruments?
1: I do. Um, I'm actually I used to double a lot in theater, so um, I you know flute, clarinet, all that sort of fun stuff. But I actually started instrumental like ensemble music playing on trumpet. Oh I my was goodness! Like, yeah, fourth and fifth grade, even throughout middle school, like trumpet. But um. Like one of my friends, uh, he's a tuba player, and he always gives me a hard time about it. Like in retrospect, because my embouchure was terrible. <laughs> like I had no idea what I was doing. I just loved doing it so much that I was like, you know, hooked on it immediately. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, what an
0: interesting start to a musical career. So Nico got really into electroacoustic music during his undergrad at University of Illinois. Electroacoustic music, for the record, is not like EDM or mainstream pop music that has electronic manipulation. The whole thing with electroacoustic classical music started with Creating music that was played out of speakers instead of an instrument. There were two main types, and are two main types, of electroacoustic composition practices. One was that composers would create music by manipulating little bits of audio recordings, and that type is called tape music. The other one is creating music with pure electronic tones like sine waves, which is called electronic music. (laughs) And those are both under the umbrella of electroacoustic music. Today, there are a ton of pieces of pure electroacoustic music, as well as pieces for musicians and electronics
1: when I was signing up for electroacoustic music, of course, I wait until later in the registration stage. And like, I think it was the week before registration started. But I was, you know, I, I thought, well, electroacoustic music is part of the composition track. So like, I should be able to get into this class. So I'm just gonna like, I I think it'll be okay if I wait a little bit, because I don't like to pester people, you know, it's like, please let me into your class. I really want to do it. Um, but like when I did email the teacher, Scott Wyatt, who is like, hence down, one of the best teachers I've had. Um, he was like, yeah, there is a huge wait list and you're now at the bottom of it. So uh, good luck. And I have no idea how it turned out, you know, that I got into the studio. The way that it was taught was, in, was just like purely informational. So like, we started out by learning about the technologies that have been used in capturing sound. Like being able to see each technology sort of like chronologically actually put into perspective like the experience of today and like, why is it that we use the computer now? I mean, the first semester was, all of the compositions were on tape.
0: Whoa. All of the
1: studies were reel-to-reel tape. Oh, my
0: goodness. So you had to do all of that splicing yourself.
1: Yeah. And, like, you know, rocking the reels and, like, trying to find the start of the sound and then, like, get it just before, you know, to get the cleanest recording possible. And um, there were etudes, too, that we had to do. So, like, not only composing, but a lot of exercises and, like, tape splicing Um, My teacher had this reel of, um, I can't really remember the entire passage because it was just very dense, but it essentially read out, um, in the past you have been most helpful and I'm looking forward to your, uh, I'm looking forward to your forthcoming uh, participation or something. And from that we had to splice out the phrase, hello, what is your name?
0: (gasps) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: So we were like, and we had one week to do this. So, you know, you had to be very, like, systematic about your approach to the material. Like, you had to do a bunch of sketching out before. Some people think like, oh, well, I'm just going to hear it. But I remember, like, I spent probably an hour and a half reading out the dialogue i like wrote it down or we had a printout of it and mm-hmm. then i found different ways of like okay if i'm gonna say this where can i stop you're like assembling semantic meaning from like another source that already has a meaning you know so you're right. like just retranslating it or you're translating it through yeah and um it's like It's a wild experience because like your ears get so tuned into it that like you can't really get out of it. And I think ever since then, like I hear my life actually very differently now than I did before.
0: Then we started chatting about the differences between composing for a computer and composing for people. Electronic music is in some ways safer because you're taking out countless pairs of critical ears by eliminating actual performers from the equation on top of that it's so cool to be able to hear the stuff you create in real time with a pair of headphones in a big electronic music studio
1: it looks like a spaceship in there so it feels like you know i'm on a mission in the galaxy to like find the perfect sound for the piece (laughs) but like my ears are tired my eyes are tired from staring at the screen the whole time um it's just like very different in terms of work process which I really liked because I don't think I would have necessarily um, been so encouraged to step outside of that comfort zone of like being in the spaceship and like knowing how to use all the tools you know right it's like a very different practice going from electronics to acoustic music Um, or I should just say like it's very different to go between a purely electroacoustic practice and a purely acoustic practice because um, you just work with material differently and you have varying types of, um, I don't want to say control, but you, know, you can, um, in a way, control electronics to a very, you know, precise point. I mean, like milliseconds, you know, whereas in acoustic music, you just really hope that those fine details come out through the performance. And I've been really lucky that a lot of them have come through because of the support of people around me.
0: Before we talked about the pieces on the program themselves, I wanted to find out more about Nico's compositional style. He said he's always had a sensitive ear when it came to sound, and ironically, just then, it started pouring rain.
1: So, like, when I moved to Illinois, and all of a sudden we're in, like, Tornado Alley and thunderstorms galore, that took a lot of adjusting because... I still had, like, even though that I had grown up and, like, learned, you know, like, okay, this is just a storm, um, the sound and the feeling of that sound was just so scary to me, um, and I kind of, like, had to re, in a way, I had to, like, recondition my relationship with it, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that kind of, like, That's a way that I think about a lot of the material that I use. I have to sort of like recondition my relationship with it instead of saying like, this is a weird sound because a lot of sounds are weird. My voice is weird, you know, like (laughs) the sound that my car makes when it turns on, like that is like wild, you know, but um, if we can sort of recondition that relationship with the sound it can turn into something more meaningful, or it can turn into something more, like, it doesn't get as scary. I feel like scary is just the lack of knowledge, Mm. you know? And that once we acquire knowledge, the world becomes a little less scary.
0: And he was inspired by that process of kind of demystifying sounds that are weird or scary or improper in acoustic instruments
1: i think being able to harness the power of these instruments you have to use everything you can't just say like i'm not going to use extended techniques because it's too hard or it's too weird or it's too different or the sound is odd because um you know like that's actually a very elitist way of viewing the instruments you know and then like what is that to say of like a fourth grade clarinetist who is like just trying to learn and then you're telling them like well you know this isn't really I don't really... like Let that me... sound
0: isn't good enough
1: yeah like why are we comparing ourselves to like some imaginary of like how this thing works right because like that's the miraculous thing about it. Everybody's setup is so different. Every instrument is so different. They all come from different places around the world, and they're all made of different types of you know material. So to say that like you have to go after this one sound, that is great in some scenarios, but I think it closes you off to a lot of opportunity to discover a sound that may change your relationship with something.
0: I wanted to know more about Nico's process, so I asked him about the very beginning of his pieces. How does he start a work? What does he think about before he starts writing? And what is the first thing he writes?
1: To start out a piece is to start out with a question rather than a statement. Right. Cuz I feel like if we start with a statement, we're kind of forcing people into one way, and that works for some people and that works for some music, but I like the idea of asking a question to stimulate like curiosity just about like what is happening here? Why am I here? Um, Because I think that that yields like a more attentive presence in the piece, or just like in an experience.
0: So where did Nico get all these crazy ideas about his mission as a composer? Like demystifying instruments and opening people up to new sounds?
1: My grandfather, he's no longer alive, but he was an inventor. And um, he set the model for me of persistence you know like even though that your ideas may get rejected at one point in time, it doesn't mean that they're invalid right. you know as long as you're approaching it from the present moment and very consciously like ideas are basically indestructible. just the confidence in your ideas that like something will yield from this it may not be the thing that you were looking for but, you will find something and it will change your perspective on it as
0: a reminder disintegrations is all lowercase dis dot integrations
1: for me with the title it was like disintegrations integrations in a way um and i didn't want it to be like this whole wordplay but i wanted it to it's like i know that the title reads out disintegrations but i think that the dot is very important into leaving that opportunity for it to be about you know integrating or at least acknowledging on the page that while i am sort of like dissolving the saxophone in a way and like using it for parts in a kind of a way yeah that it is still one you know it's still one instrument you know that's where it started was like Okay, let's pull apart the saxophone. Like, not literally, but just what happens if we control, or if I suggest, because it's not really controlling, it's if I suggest these fluctuations in performance approach.
0: And my first thought was that as a performer, if a composer comes up to you and is like, I'm going to write you a piece that pulls apart your instrument... That's terrifying. And Nico had a similar experience, but once you explain that it's not literally pulling the instrument apart, it does help. Like it's using the saxophone in its entirety from blowing noise through the instrument to playing normal notes, to just clicking the keys. It's still a hard sell for some classically trained performers though.
1: One thing, that i found really interesting about is that they're actively avoiding certain things on the instrument that are just inherently a part of it Mm. and that is like mechanical noise right which is a huge part of the piece you know and i mean i don't want to do it in like a flippant way but i think it's like stop ignoring this as a part of the piece like this is a part of your instrument and it will yield a sound yeah but like what happens if I do include it in performance? Because yeah. it is a part of some people's performance. Right. You know. So I like to get away from the idea of like there's an absolute perfect way of performing on an instrument and that there is one sound from it. Because there are many sounds, there are many approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, this piece, in a way, are, I wanted to figure out how can we get them to just sound out? Like, regardless of our impression of it, like, can I just use this instrument and can I create this sort of thing? Um, And, like, it does kind of come from the electroacoustic vein of like textures and. Um, it does sound in a way electronic. I remember right. when I first sent it to my mom, she was like, "Is this with electronics or cool?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's awesome." I, it wasn't, but like, thank you so much. It was like a huge compliment for me because right. in a way, I achieved what I sought out to do at Rice, which was like find a way for my electroacoustic and acoustic voice to be, you know, one or the, those practices that once seemed disparate were like now one unified thing. And what was the thing that unified it? It's like the composer. So me, you know, accepting that you have those forces and that you know those things, like you can actually make a lot more groundwork in your ideas if you just acknowledge the things that are, you know, with you right now or at present with you. So here is Disintegrations for Solo
0: Saxophone by Nico Yamamoto.
2: (laughs) go <laughs> go we mm-hmm.
1: The piece being premiered is called A Midfield Glance. Um, Any weird of, punctuation? No. No weird. It's just all lowercase. Um, I actually got... One of my teachers was getting on me about using all lowercase. And I actually like just using all lowercase. It
0: it, it makes a statement. I feel like it makes a very subtle statement. But it definitely mm-hmm. has meaning.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like... Well, in a way, I want to remove the ego from the words. Yes. You know? And so, like what a better way than to just sort of like write out exactly what you want but not having to like modify it to fit like a title right it's not it's
0: not like a literal title yeah is something that elevates you yeah and taking away the idea of a title and just making them words yeah is very cool Even so, I didn't really understand what the title A Midfield Glance actually meant.
1: We used to go on family road trips from San Francisco down to LA and on the way there you go through a lot of agricultural land and like I always found it really cool to like look perpendicular toward the field and then like watch this as sort of like a stop or you know, stop motion film in a way. Right. Um, And then, like, turning my head ever so slightly to then find those, you know, in a way, I thought of that as unity, because you're seeing one tree at a time come up from many. Right, right. As you turn your head, you see many trees. There's not one singular one.
0: And there's not even, then, like, control. Like, there's not rows of trees. It's just trees.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then all of a
0: sudden in, like, the middle portion, you see that it's actually there are rows. Yeah. Yeah. And then exactly. it goes away again.
1: So, like, in a way, I was thinking about that sort of drive and, like, what is it like, you know, as we continually, like, tilt our head away from the unified thing and then toward it? Right. Right. Another sort of thing that kind of goes into this is like the position of a midfield. So in electroacoustic music, you have the foreground, background and a midfield in a way or like a midground. Um and so that's like a sound that's super up close here versus a sound that's far away from here. And like in a way I wanted to approach the piece from the middle. I wanted to put us into a midfield, you know, away from making definitive statements, but also away from just sort of passive whatever. This is how the world works. Um, And in a way, that's kind of like what you hear is like the opening is this, I call it an invocation. And what I'm thinking about with an invocation is that we're calling ourselves into the space, and we are calling ourselves into this time. You know, pieces are like little mini planets, and so like we, rather than just like running right into it, I thought that well, first since we're in down or since we're in the museum district, people are parking, whatever. Right. We need to slow down time a little bit. Cool. And then, from that aspect of time i can then speak you know like once we get to that place i can then kind of like say something that may have more meaning than the other parts to it or yeah. like other experiences cuz like there's so many concerts that i've gone to where it's just like i'm running in the door and then it's like you just go through the motion of a performance
0: right and you just you 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 sit you listen
1: but it's like listen quotation marks, right. you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, You're kind of, and like in a way, I feel like now where I am with studies and music, there is a lot of music that I have knowledge of. Mm-hmm. So it's like I set myself up for expectation. Yeah. So rather than, I want to get away from expectation. And in that, I wanted to start out slow. Mm hmm. It then kind of goes to a similar domain of disintegrations of this sort of like using the instruments as they are and like for what they can provide. Mm -hmm. Um, But meanwhile, I'm also playing with this idea of like two opposing groups or like two opposing sounding forces. Because they're not, like, at opposition with each other, you know? Like, they're constantly overlapping and then providing a new hue. And then Mm -hmm. overlapping, providing another hue.
0: Nico also wanted to break away from the this is about me syndrome that paints a lot of people's music and instead invite people to experience the space and the moment they were in as they heard the piece for the first time.
1: I wanted a piece... You know, rather than respond in a way that is so tied up with my identity, I wanted to just kind of open up the floor and just say, like, what is it like to be here? And like, do you understand, like, maybe through that we can start to understand the significance of it. You know, if there's anything that I want people to be, you know, really listening for is... I just want them to be there, you know, they don't have to hear, they don't have to necessarily understand it. I just want them to be in this place of time where we are, um, because it is a scary time. I feel scared. Um, I don't really understand the path forward. And, you know, while I have made decisions about where I'm going to, um, you know, there's so much of life still out there and so many things unexpected that happen to us. I just hope that people can be in the present moment and think about their experience. Maybe something speaks out to them in some way, but I'm not too concerned about that. I just want us to take time. You know, this is the other privilege of composition. It's our duty to like whatever, you know, thing that keeps you going on living or just like whatever thing that you think brings life to this world, like it is our duty to like honor it and to honor it we can't just fly through it we really have to be in every moment with every person whatever is happening around you and like whatever is you know drawing your attention away just let it slide and like be here and in those moments it's like that's the most harmonious moment for me you know that is a true consonance for me
0: this is A Midfield Glance, which was a world premiere and a music commission for Saxophone Quartet by Nico Yamamoto. Thank you so much for listening to the final summer retrospective of the year. Our performers today were Dan Geelock, Mas Sugihara, Johnny Salinas, and Evan Withner. My guest was Nico Yamamoto, who is about to start his doctoral studies at Brandeis, and we wish him the best of luck. Also, a huge shout out to the Contemporary Arts Museum Houston for hosting these amazing concerts. We couldn't do it without you. My name is Emma Wine, and this is Inner Chamber. See you next time. (laughs) ORCHESTRA PLAYS